1: Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin.
0: Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Hey, anybody at the State Department, the Defense Department, the CIA or any of those departments and agencies who disagrees with the president's foreign policy, Adam Schiff and the Democrats in the House, with their pom-pom boys and girls in the media, would love you to testify at the impeachment hearing. If you disagree with the president. So all you Obama holdovers, Clinton holdovers, dug-in bureaucrats, rhinos who populate our bureaucracy... Contact Adam Schiff because he wants to pile on. He wants a long line of bureaucrats and Democrats and all kinds of rats and the rest of it for his impeachment hearing. What he doesn't want is the individual he colluded with. The Democrat Party partisan CIA operative who was involved in trying to sabotage the president's election in 2016 who worked with a Ukrainian operative, a Ukrainian-American who was working with the Hillary Clinton campaign, the DNC, the State Department, and the Obama administration generally as reported by Kenneth Vogel, left-winger at Politico in January 2017. They don't want anything to do with him. They don't want him exposing Schiff, Schiff's staff, and his lawyers. They don't want to expose to the American people the extent to which there is a real live cabal colluding, and trying to impeach your president, the man you voted for. Mr. Schiff is a fascist. That's what he is. Hear me wide, hear me far. He is a fascist. He is conducting a fascistic fascistic railroad job. Joseph Stalin will be very proud of him. Castro will be very proud of him. All the thugs at the U.N. are very proud of them. They're probably taking notes. Hey, this is how we can do it. And we can pretend that we're constitutionalists following the rule of law in due process. And we'll get support from the media, just like Shift does in CNN and MSNBC and CBS and ABC, NBC. The network news on the Mark Levin show, whoever the hell's doing that. The Washington Compost, the New York Slimes, they'll all be cheering us on. Just like the New York Times covered up for Stalin. It was a mouthpiece for Stalin 110 years ago. Just like the New York Times, the Washington Post, and the rest of the media. Covered up for Hitler during the Holocaust. Oh, yeah. Aren't they swell? The American media on freedom of the press the people who attack the founders of this country as slaveholders, the people who attack our constitutional system, the progressives, the people who attack the Declaration of Independence, suddenly they wave them around. See, we uh, we believe in the rule of law. No, they don't. They believe in the rule of the iron fist. And I am hopeful that the Republicans on this committee, in the House Intelligence Committee, we will make a spectacle of the spectacle. We'll use their time to educate the American people, those who watch, about the so-called whistleblower. And they won't be bullied. And they won't be bullied by the phony media in this country. I'm old enough, and many of you are too. Have you ever heard of a media collectively covering up for a Democrat partisan, or any partisan, who has as their purpose to bring down the President of the United States? Whose lawyers spoke openly about a coup? They printed the Pentagon Papers. They were cheered. Watergate, they were cheered. Here the media, the Democrat, that is the Democrat Party media. Massive cover-up as they participate. Participate in this coup. And as they have for almost three years now. But before we get to the details... We celebrate veterans, we celebrate active-duty military in this country every single day. We don't even need a Veterans Day to celebrate veterans and active-duty military on this program. I close the program thanking the men and women in the United States military. Because I've had family who've served in the United States military in the most horrific combat imaginable. I've had family who've been police officers. I have enormous respect for men and women who will put their lives on the line, foreign and domestic. Put aside potentially lucrative opportunities and careers whose families have to suffer when they leave home and wonder if they're going to come back. But on this day, Veterans Day, we will play the military hymns on this country in honor. Of all who have served. And I now live in a county in Virginia. Where the teachers and the students take off for everything. Election day. So the unions. Can work the polls with their army of teachers. The day before election day. So they can work the streets. Before the day before the election. And God knows what else. But now on veterans day. They don't take off. I wonder, are they teaching about our veterans? Are they teaching about the Revolutionary War and every war since? I
1: doubt it.
0: Liberty and learning. In a healthy democracy, these two things are mutually supportive. In America today, however, that bond is broken. To help repair the breach, Hillsdale College has launched the Van Andel Graduate School of Government in the nation's capital. And unlike other graduate programs, Hillsdale teaches politics as a human activity oriented toward justice. Hillsdale College, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. Learn more at com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. So let me underscore this so even Media Matters, Mediaite, and Joe Scarborough can understand. And that is that Adam Schiff is among the finest fascists this nation has ever seen. In many ways, the Democrat Party has become a fascistic party. Look at AOC, Talib, Omar, their anti-Semitism, their demand that we concentrate government, destroy the private sector and individual liberty. They take their lead from Bernie Sanders, who's an old red from New York City, an old commie. It's what he is. And they pretend they're populists when in fact they're fascistic. And you can see this playing out now in the House of Representatives. And you can see their slobbering media that is growing fascistic as well. But this has been going on for some time, our fascistic media. Which pushes the agenda of the hard left, which is of the hard left. That's what they're taught in journalism school. Right, Professor Rosen? This is why they've destroyed the distinction between news and opinion. They even attack the opinion side of Fox News because they wish to wipe out any any voice that is unique, different and diverse from theirs. The Republican Party the Republican Party is not some backwards tiny little party. The Republican Party has a president in the Oval Office. The Republican Party has the majority in the Senate. And it has a very large minority in the House of Representatives, but you wouldn't know it. But the Republican Party and conservatives have virtually no voice in the mass modern media. Virtually none. These Sunday shows are nothing more than efforts by so-called journalists, so-called hosts, so-called anchors to smack down the Republicans, to smack down the president, to smack down anybody who dares to speak out against the fascism that we're facing in this country today. Fascism, where the minority party doesn't get to call the witnesses that they want. Fascism, where the President of the United States lawyer is specifically and explicitly barred from participating in a process in which he's the target. Fascism, where the vast majority of the witnesses and the so-called information they've gleaned so far has been done in a secret room with a vault door in the basement of the Capitol building. And no, you're not going to find out what happened in 2016 with this media. Why? Because they participated in it. That's why. The fascistic media, while they attack the President of the United States and claim he has a relationship with Putin, is more like the Russians and the Russian media than anything else in this country. Oh, did you know the President of the United States withheld military aid for about 13 seconds until the Ukraine got its damn act together? Well, that's impeachable. Do you know the President of the United States said to Ukraine, you better damn well assist us, but he was nicer than I am, with our 2016 election so we can get to the bottom of what the hell Hillary Clinton, the DNC, the State Department, and the Obama administration did with Ukraine just as they did it with Russia? Oh, well, that's an impeachable offense. You know the president of the United States, after reading public information in Politico and the New York Times and elsewhere, wanted to know what the hell Joe Biden and his son were doing, playing on governmental relations to enrich his family? Well, that's an impeachable offense too, ladies and gentlemen. I've only just begun. I'll be right back. And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers Imprimis absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right. You can subscribe to Imprimus for free. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to visit Imprimis.Hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's Imprimis, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S Hillsdale E-D-U. Welcome to Hillsdale.
1: Mark Levin, tough as hell.
2: That's why I like Mark Levin, and I'm not sure a lot of people like him, he's tough as hell. But I like him, I love him. Call in now, 877-381-3811. There's a lot
0: to cover in the two and a half hours I are left, and I'm telling you, it'll be worth your while to stay right here. And I hope you enjoyed Life, Liberty, and Levin at its new time, 8 p.m. Eastern last night on Sunday on Fox. I told you it would be great. Don Jr. was absolutely unbelievable and outstanding. And we're going to continue to have this very, very high standard. So I hope you'll mark it down on your calendar, your schedule, however you do it. 8 p.m. every Sunday night, Eastern Time on Fox. And thank you, thank you, thank you. We've got a lot to cover here. This country is moving towards fascism. Let me put it in a way that I've talked about before, statism, statism. Whatever it is, it's tyranny, and it's playing out. When you watch these public so-called hearings in the House Intelligence Committee and you're scratching your head, what the hell are we doing in the House Intelligence Committee with an impeachment hearing? That should uh, begin to start the whole process of unraveling what's taking place before your eyes. It's tyrannical. And the media have become tyrannical. The media are not interested in pursuing the truth. They're not interested in pursuing facts. They certainly aren't interested in objectivity. You can't watch these Sunday news shows, and I hope you don't, without watching Jake Tapper, uh, Chuck Todd, any other uh, reprobates, miscreants, and malcontents, Democrats dressed up as, uh, as journalists and come to any other conclusion. It's laid out chapter and verse and on freedom of the Press, of course. But I want to remind you. I want to remind you as somebody who has spent his life studying liberty and tyranny. Studying constitutionalism. And the opposite. Who served eight years in the Reagan administration. I want you to listen again. To what was said on November 9th. The day after the election, November 9, 2016. Again, the day after the election. The wannabes, the has-beens, like to pretend. Oh, you know what I said? They said nothing, nothing. They play catch-up. That's why you're here at an odd hour, listening to radio when you can be doing other things. This is the Wednesday after the election, where President Trump was elected President of the United States. This was less than 24 hours later. November 9th, 2016. Cut one, go. Let me tell you what the Democrats mean to do to you, Mr. Trump. They intend to sabotage you. They intend to sabotage you every step of the way and then blame you. They intend to look for every opportunity to criminalize the politics that swirls around you. And they're good at it and they do it. And if necessary, they intend to try to impeach you. Trust me when I tell you this is their agenda. They are vicious. They are ideologues. They have a Soviet-style mentality. They will not allow an election to get in their way. It's not another broadcaster, radio, TV, tin cans, nothing, who pointed out the next day, like, the next day. Not one. That's because I understand this. I know what's going on in this city didn't begin with Trump. It's been building and building and building, and now we're here. And our poor president is the target of this. Now, two days later, Friday, November 11, 2016, I reiterated it. and was even more specific. Cut to go. And they will lay in wait, as I also told you, the day after Tuesday, Wednesday, by my calendar, that they will try and lay the case for the eventual impeachment of Trump. I'm quite serious about this. You watch. Mark my words. Circle the date on the calendar. Wednesday passed. They're going to spend the next two years, after maybe a month or two or three or four, of smiling as they sharpen their knives, they're going to spend the rest of the two-year period doing everything they can They create scandal. They create controversy and provocation. Anybody who serves in this administration is going to be fair game. These leftists use the same tactics as the Marxists. You see them in the streets now? You think these billionaires like Soros are just going to go away? They're already plotting. They're already meeting in their little hotel rooms. They're already doing the things that leftists, radical kooks do. You think they believe in the system? They only believe in the system if they win. They don't accept defeat, ever. And Schumer's the worst of the bunch. And they are plotting right now. Mark my words. They are plotting right now, trying to figure out ways to bring down this administration, even before the week is over. And so is Obama. President was sworn in. Shortly thereafter. But the November 9th election, November 10th, I pointed out what they were doing. Excuse me, November 8th election, November 9th, I pointed out what they were doing. November 11th. And then on February 13, 2017. Less than one month after the president is inaugurated. Three and a half weeks later. Three and a half weeks later. Cut three, Go. All of Trump's staffers don't have clean hands. All of his administration officials don't have clean hands. A lot of this stuff comes from the inside, but a lot of it comes from Obama holdovers. That's the plan. I'm telling you, they're coordinating this. Schumer holds back as many of these cabinet officials as possible. The Obama flunkies have weaseled their way into the bureaucracy, and they have no intention of leaving. You've already read, and we talked about it last week, of these clandestine avenues of communication within the bureaucracy because they don't want to be found out by the president or by people like us through the Freedom of Information Act. This is a silent coup. Stop. This is a silent coup. That was the first time this was raised in modern times. I know I get ripped off all the time. It's okay. It's not the point. The point is the fact Three and a half weeks after the President of the United States was sworn in, I said, this is a silent coup. I did not coin that term. This term was coined in a book written about Watergate several decades ago. But that's not why I used it either. A silent coup as opposed to a violent coup. A silent coup going on in the... Shadows of the bureaucracy, the shadows of Washington, the shadows of newsrooms, the shadows of Capitol Hill. A silent coup where the conspiracists are, the colluders are. This is a silent coup. February 13, 2017. Can you imagine if this show were during the day, Mr. Producer? Oh, my Lord. Go ahead. This is an effort... To, whether you agree with all his policies or not, and I don't agree with all his policies, but I do agree with several of them. Whether you do or not is not the issue. The point is we have like an underground or a shadow government going on here. We have two former presidents who do not know their place because they are relatively young men or they were when they're president. And they are, may I say, Clinton and uh, Obama really punks. That's the way I view it. Very immature narcissists and nihilists. And they're not going to allow something like an election, particularly through the Electoral College, to get in their way. Bill Clinton's furious his wife didn't win, even though he's mistreated her more than any other human being on the face of the earth. Barack Obama's furious that Hillary didn't win because now he's concerned about his agenda. Not about America, not about the country. So that was three and a half weeks after the election, silent coup. I'm laying it out for a reason, and you'll understand. Just stick with me. Nikki Haley was on CBS Evening News yesterday. Why she goes to CBS, why she goes to the Washington Post, I don't know. We've tried to get her on Life, Liberty, and Levin for over a year. She distanced herself from us. Now they want to come on and hawk her book, and now I'm less likely to bring her on. Because if you're going to go to the Washington Post and CBS News, then good luck. That doesn't mean what she said isn't important. When Rex Tillerson was talked about as a Trump nominee for Secretary of State, there were Republicans and radio hosts and TV hosts who lined up right behind him. And I said, no, I know who this guy is. He's trouble. He's with the James Baker crowd. The James Baker crowd. The apologists. The appeasers. And, may I add, the anti-Israel crowd. But he wasn't going to serve this president's foreign policy. I knew it. And I spoke out loudly. And I was attacked for it, typical, but I don't care. I'm playing this for a reason. I will explain it all in a minute. You've got to stick with me, including through the commercials. Step by step. Now, this is December 16, 2016, when Tillerson was being promoted for Secretary of State before the president was sworn in. Four and a half, five weeks after his election. Me on Tillerson, cut four, go. George W. Bush finally revealed himself after all these years of painting and whatever, and he called Bob Corker, the chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, to lobby on behalf of his friend, the chairman and CEO and president of ExxonMobil, Rex Tillerson. The full court presses on. Bush, Baker, Cheney, Condi Rice, Gates. Finally, something unites the, the uh, Bush uh, crowd in foreign policy, which used to beat each other's throats. Not now. They got their man, Tillerson. Tillerson is a patsy for Vladimir Putin. Tillerson is a patsy for the Arab Gulf states because of oil. Tillerson is a grave threat to the nation of Israel, as far as I'm concerned. And I might add, he's a grave threat to this nation for a number of reasons. All right. Now, when we come back, a lot of this will make sense. A lot of it makes sense to you already, but for others. Nikki Haley on CBS Evening News. And we're going to spend time. How did Mark know? within 24 hours after the election, that they were trying to indict or impeach the president. How did he know? People talk about, well, the Washington Post, 19 minutes after the president was sworn in, talked about impeachment. Really? Within 24 hours of the president's election, I knew where they were going. A day and a half later, I reiterated it. I know where they're going with this. Three weeks after the president was elected, I said, this is a silent coup. This is a coup. It's already underway. It's already underway. I said no to Tillerson. No, 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 a thousand times. But well, my brothers and sisters in the media, oh, he looks pretty good. I'll be right back. Much love in. Just to set it up for after the top of the hour, really, I need you to come back. You're going to say, you know what, I needed to come back. We have a long attention span, me and my audience. We're not leftists. What are you going to do for me today? What are you going to give me today? Who are you going to screw over today? No, we don't do that. So we're going to play Nikki Haley in her interview with the uh, leftist anchor, Nora O'Donnell, CBS News. That's where she decided there in Washington Post to launch her book. I don't get that. Good job, publicists. uh, But what she said is important. What she said is important. This guy Tillerson, never good. Never good. Silent coup. I told you about it. Three, three and a half weeks after the election. They try to impeach this president. I told you within 24 hours of his election. November 9th, I reiterated it, two days later. And by the way, if there's a host out there that did it earlier, by all means, play it for us. We're all ears. By all means, tell us how brilliant you are, because you didn't. And when we're done with Nikki Haley, among others, we're going to really dive deep. Or to say it in proper English, dive deeply. Deeply, right, Mr. Producer? Yes, We're going to dive deeply. What is this administrative state? What is this swamp? It's as if people just heard about this. Say what? Except you and my audience who listen to this program, who read my books. Oh, yes, yes. You know all about the administrative state in the swamp, don't you? Yes, you do. You know, I wrote a little book called Liberty and Tyranny in 2009 by my calculation over 10 years ago. In the very first chapter, I talk about it. Let's revisit this. In 2012, I wrote a book called Ameritopia. You may remember that book. About the tyranny of utopia. Plato's Republic. Thomas More's Utopia. Thomas Hobbes' Leviathan. Karl Marx's Manifesto. Communist Manifesto. You might remember that. The tyranny of the administrative state, the swamp. Many of you, great Americans all, many of you might remember another book. And in that book, Rediscovering Americanism, Chapter 4, Administrative State Tyranny. Wow! How did we know all about this? I'll explain. Stay with me.
2: From the Westwood One Podcast Network.
0: While tyranny's on the move, you'll see it in full display in the House Intelligence Committee, which is actually the House No Intelligence Committee, starting, I believe, Wednesday, Wednesday. You'll see how fascism presents itself, wraps itself in the rule of law, wraps itself in the Constitution, wraps itself in the people, wraps itself in history, while it's destroying all. While it's destroying all. And I want you to realize something. I just posted a one sentence. I think it'll make sense to you. Notice Adam Schiff, Kamazar Adam Schiff, and his comrades on the committee and in the media. Notice they rarely ever talk about the actual transcript, which is the official representation of what took place during that phone call. Notice they have to rely on State Department officials who are not in the phone call. Their opinions, their viewpoints, their careers, but never on the transcript. Notice they never acknowledge that the Ukraine received military funding that Obama withheld. So, Even from their perspective, it was an attempted quid pro quo. Of course, it's all BS. It's all BS. They're going to try and protect Joe Biden by protecting Hunter Biden. They're going to try and protect themselves and their conspirators on the committee, including the head mobster. Joseph Stalin Schiff. By not allowing the whistleblower to testify. They throw out the biggest flunkies they have. This guy, Heinz from Connecticut. Swalwell from California. The other flunkies and propagandists that they have. Who speak quickly. And have some prosecutorial background. So you're supposed to be impressed. You impressed? Now, I don't lose my place. I'm all over this. We're going to go back to Nikki Haley. And what Nikki Haley had to say on the CBS morning program, and I would suggest to Nikki Haley that most of the people who watch that are not going to buy her book. I don't understand you, your publicist, and your publisher, but that's fine. Fine by me. Stiffed us for 18 months. Again, I don't know why. Mr. Producer, open your microphone. How many books do we have piled up of authors who want to come on this program? There are piles and piles. I got a whole library. And, of course, they want me to turn life, liberty, and live in into C-SPAN's book notes, but we can't do that unless the book has some relevance to current events or some event in history that is uh, quite compelling. But in any event, I explained to you in the first hour, and we played the evidence, the audio. Uh the day after the election, I pointed out that they will seek to indict or impeach the president. If anybody else did that, then go ahead and play it so we can all hear. Three days after the election, I reiterated it. Three and a half weeks after the election, I used the term silent coup, barred from the Watergate era, which has now been repeated, 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 but we're going to still use it. We're not surrendering our phrases and our arguments here. December 16, 2016, Rex Tillerson was, was being uh, talked about strongly as being the Secretary of State. I fought it as hard as I possibly could, while other people in talk radio and on TV supported him, or were neutral, but then liked to say that they predicted things. Here's Nikki Haley on CBS Evening News last night. About Rex Tillerson and sadly, sadly, I say this sadly, John Kelly,
1: General Retired John Kelly. Cut five, go. Kelly and Tillerson confided in me that when they resisted the president, they weren't being insubordinate. They were trying to save the country. And then the Secretary of State Tillerson went on to tell you the reason he resisted the president's decisions was because if he didn't, people would die you memorialize that conversation? It definitely happened? It absolutely happened. And instead of saying that to me, they should have been saying that to the president, not asking me to join them on their sidebar plan. It should have been, go tell the president what your differences are and quit if you don't like what he's doing. But to undermine a president is really a very dangerous thing. And it goes against the Constitution and it goes against what the American people want. And it was was offensive.
0: I notice Congress doesn't want to get to the bottom of that because Congress encourages bureaucrats, people around the president, appointees to undermine the president. Because Congress is undermining the president. He's trying to burn the president while he's trying to deal with China, Iran, immigration, a host of issues. I want you to think about this. Since the moment this man was elected and before... They have tried to handicap everything he does and make it impossible for him to govern. That's the goal. And in doing that, you undermine a republic. Do you understand that, Thomas Friedman? And all you other fools and freaks and buffoons? Four years of Trump was just too much for you people, wasn't it? Hard left. your phony scholars, phony intellectuals, phony columnists, phony commentators, phony journalists. It's too much. Four years. So... The goal is to destroy him, to destroy him while China's on the rise, to destroy him while Russia's on the rise. Iran's on the rise. That is, our enemies are on the rise. Our borders are overwhelmed. Try and destroy him, destroy him. Our debt's out of control while Mitch McConnell, Mitch McConnell's the opposite of a fiscal conservative. That, more
1: on another day. Cut six, Nikki Haley, go. Go. Do you think ultimately the president will be impeached and removed from office? No. On what? You're going to impeach a president for asking for a favor that didn't happen and and giving money and it wasn't withheld? I don't know what you would impeach him on. And look, Nora, impeachment is like the death penalty for a public official. When you look at the transcript There's nothing in that transcript that warrants the death penalty for the president. And I think that to be clear, it was not a complete transcript. There are still things that are missing from it. And in that he does say, I would like you to do us a favor, though. The Ukrainians never did the investigation and the president released the funds. I mean, when you look at those, there's just nothing impeachable there. And more than that, I think the the biggest thing that bothers me is the American people should decide this. Why do we have a bunch of people in Congress making this decision?
0: Yeah. And why are the fascists in Congress, the statists, the tyrants, why are they preventing we, the people, when Election Day comes, to handle this and to handle them? Just remember, everything they say is the opposite of what they mean. Everything they say is the opposite of what they mean don't forget this now we're going to take a break now and I'm going to do something those of you who come up to me when I'm at various public events and say keep talking history keep talking philosophy keep talking about this stuff we don't get it anywhere else I'm going to link it all together I'm going to link it all together and I hope the morning backbenchers will use it I'll be right back Mark
1: Lovin
0: Do you know what we do at Levin TV on the Blaze TV Network? Well, we give you intelligent content you won't see anywhere else. So full of energy tonight. You know, ladies and gentlemen, two things tonight I think I can identify that have caused me to be full of energy. Number one, our enemies. And number two, raisinettes. I love raisinettes, Mr. Medusa. So I bought them at Costco. They're not called raisinettes, but those big raisins. Do you know what I'm talking about? So I put them in the pantry and I sneak a few now and then because my wife who is just terrific, is trying to keep me healthy. All you people who go up to her and say, please keep them she does the very best she can. Trust me on this. But look, there's drug addicts, there's boozers out there. I just, you know, Hershey bar now and then, hamburger now and then, you know how it is. All right, let's dig in here. What we're talking about now is the swamp, the administrative state trying to take out a president. And we have people, my God, I, I didn't realize it was so bad. I, I, I never thought any. I... Okay. Levinites. This is why you're Levinites. Liberty and Tyranny came out in 2009. 1.5 million copies. By far the most successful conservative book written since Conscience of a Conservative, I think. So the most conservative, uh, successful conservative book in half a century. It's not about me, see? It's about conservatism, liberty, and tyranny. And I'm still a proud conservative. There are some people who talked about conservative most of their careers, written about it most of their careers, and now they back off. Very bizarre. And so I started it this way. In the 1930s, during the Great Depression, the state has successfully launched a counter-revolution that radically and fundamentally altered the nature of American society. President Franklin Roosevelt and an overwhelmingly Democratic Congress, through an array of federal projects, entitlements, taxes, and regulations known as the New Deal, breached the Constitution's firewalls. At first, the Supreme Court fought back, striking down New Deal programs as exceeding the limits of federal constitutional authority, violating state sovereignty and trampling on private property rights. But rather than seek an expansion of a federal power through the amendment process, which likely had blunted Roosevelt's ambitions, Roosevelt threatened the very makeup of the court by proposing to pack it with sympathetic justices who would go along with their counter-revolution. Although Roosevelt's plan failed, the justices had been effectively intimidated, and new justices, who shared Roosevelt's status and began replacing older justices on the court. It's not long before the court became little more than a rubber stamp for Roosevelt's policies. The federal government began passing laws and creating administrative agencies at a dizzying pace, increasing its control over economic activity and hence individual liberty. It used taxation not merely to fund constitutionally legitimate governmental activities, but also to redistribute wealth, finance welfare programs, set prices and production limits, create huge public works programs, and establish pension and unemployment programs. And by the way, much like the modern Republicans in the Senate, Roosevelt used his new power to expand political alliances and create electoral constituencies, unions, farmers, senior citizens, and ethnic groups. From this era forward, as Ted Kennedy would say, era, the Democratic Party and the federal government would become inextricably intertwined, and the Democratic Party would become as dependent on federal power for its sustenance as the governmental dependence it would create. Ironically, industrial expansion resulting from World War II eventually ended the Great Depression, not the New Deal. Indeed, the enormous tax and regulatory burden imposed on the private sector by the New Deal prolonged the economic recovery. The significance of the New Deal is not in any one program, but in its sweeping break from our founding principles and constitutional limitations. Roosevelt himself broke with the two-presidential term tradition started by George Washington by running for four terms. And his legacy includes a federal government that has become a massive, unaccountable conglomerate. It is the nation's largest creditor, debtor, lender, employer, consumer, contractor, grantor, property owner, tenant, insurer, health care provider, and pension guarantor. And yet the status has an insatiable appetite for control. His sights are set on his next meal even before he has fully digested his last. He is constantly agitating for government action, and in furtherance of that pr- purpose, the status speaks in the tongue of the demagogue, concocting one pretext and grievance after another to manipulate public perceptions and build popular momentum for the divestiture of liberty and property from its rightful possessors. The industrious, earnest, and successful are demonized as perpetrators of various offenses against the public good, which justifies governmental intervention on behalf of an endless parade of so-called victims. In this way, the perpetrator and the victim are subordinated to the government's authority, the former by outright theft and the latter by a dependent existence. In truth, both are made victims by the real perpetrator, the statist. The statist veils his pursuits in moral indignation. Intoning in high dungeon the injustices and inequities of liberty and life for which only he can provide justice and bring a righteous resolution. And when the resolution proves elusive, as it undoubtedly does, whether the Marxist promise of a worker's paradise or the great society's war on poverty, the status demands ever more authority to wring out the imperfections of mankind's existence. Unconstrained by constitutional prohibitions, what is left to limit the status ambitions but his own moral compass, which which has already led him astray? He's never circumspect about his own shortcomings. Failure is not the product of his beliefs, but merely want of power and resources. Thus are born endless rationalizations for seizing ever more governmental authority. In the midst stands the individual, who was a predominant focus of the founders. And when living freely and pursuing his own legitimate interests, the individual displays qualities that are antithetical to the statists, initiative, self-reliance, and independence. As the status is building a culture of conformity and dependency, where the individual, where, excuse me, where the ideal citizen, takes on drone-like qualities in service to the state, the individual must be drained of uniqueness and self-worth and deterred from independent thought or behavior. This is achieved uh, through various forms and methods of economic punishment and political suppression. Now, the status also knows that despite his successful usurpations. Enough citizens are still skeptical and even distrustful of politicians and government that he cannot force his will all at once. Thus he marches in incremental steps, adjusting his pace as circumstances dictate. But today his pace is more rapid, for resistance has slowed. And In no time does the status do an about-face. But not so with some who claim the mantle of conservatism, but are in truth neo-statists. Who would have the conservative abandon the high ground of the founding principles for the quicksand of a soft tyranny. In chapter 1. Liberty and Tyranny. The book after Liberty and Tyranny was a tough book for many of you. Called Ameritopia. A book heavy on philosophy. But I said, okay, let's step this up. Ameritopia is based on Utopia. Really, dystopia. And in part one of the book, I call it utopianism. And I pick a handful of the most influential books on utopianism. And philosophies and ideologies related to it. First, I explain the tyranny of utopia. And how it is nearly identical to socialism and communism and what they promise. You can listen to the Democrats now. When they run. But I broke it down further. Plato's Republic. And the perfect society. It's a tough book. But we lay it out. Thomas More's Utopia. And radical egalitarianism. Thomas Hobbes's Leviathan. And the all-powerful state. And Karl Marx's Communist Manifesto. And the class struggle. All of them overlap all of them through the history of philosophy and activism and activism are relevant to what's going on today because they substitute fictions at a grave cost to society a grave cost blood genocide for liberty I've got a lot more I'll be right back So I've been watching these riots around the country. I'm absolutely sickened. I'm sure most of you are. You know, John Locke once said, law is not to abolish or restrain, but to preserve and enlarge freedom. Where there's no law, there's no freedom. You want to let rioters burn down your cities? There goes your freedom. You want to get rid of cops? There goes your freedom. You want to elect Joe Biden? There goes your freedom. As you've heard me say many times, I have a liberty agenda. And at Levin TV, which airs on Blaze TV... You can watch this come to life with our conservative pro-American content that reveres our Constitution and champions our individual freedoms. This is what we do each and every day. And there's never been a better time to check us out. Just go to levintv.com, L-E-V-I-N-T-V.com and sign up today for a free 30-day trial. That's right, we're going to give you a full month of Levin TV and all the other great shows on Blaze TV at no cost to you. But only if you subscribe right now at LevinTV.com.
2: The establishment's worst nightmare. Mark Levin. Call in now. 877-381-3811.
0: Now we're even going to go a step deeper. Because we can handle it here on this program, can't we? In the next hour, we'll circle back to what's going on on Capital Home. We have a great guest at the bottom of the hour next hour, my buddy Brian Kilmeade. He's fantastic, smart, sharp, and hilarious. What else could you expect? It's enforced compliance season, so if you owe the IRS, you need to take action because the IRS can garnish your paycheck, seize your bank accounts, and put a lien on your house. Don't wait until it's too late. Call Optima Tax Relief. While you still have options. Now they've resolved over a billion dollars in tax debt for folks just like you. Optima steps between you and the IRS. Fighting on your behalf to help stop the demand letters and aggressive collection actions. So you can get back to your life. No one's more skilled at this folks. No one's more skilled at solving tough IRS problems than Optima tax relief. They have experts. That's who they hire. Former IRS officials. Top CPAs, top tax lawyers, you name it. Real pros. And uh, you can call now and ask about the Fresh Start initiative. They're there. One of the biggest breaks the IRS has ever offered. If you qualify, you could save thousands. You deserve a Fresh Start. Call Optima now for your free consultation. Free consultation. 800-499-6300. 800-499-6300. 800 499 6300 Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. You know, Mr. Producer, the Raisinettes police are now checking me out. Are you aware of this? The uh, the, the, the Raisinets police are at work as I speak here. All right. You ready? Stay with me. The whole show, it's, it's crucially important. Or I wouldn't be doing it, trust me. You know, I write these books. Everybody who writes book, makes some money. I have like four jobs. Radio, my Fox show, my Levin TV show, and I'm an author. I don't write books for money. It's a lot of work. That's not to say I don't want the publisher to pay me. I don't do it for free. They're a big publishing house. But that's not my point. The least amount of money I earn is from books. And it's the toughest toughest thing I do. I don't just churn out books. I try to churn out something that has a mission, a purpose, something substantive and yet compelling. So it takes me a year and a half or two years to write a book. But I do it to get a mission out there, to get some information out there. In addition to Meritopia, one of the toughest books I have written very clearly at a graduate school level is Rediscovering Americanism and the Tyranny of Progressivism. But you folks read it, many of you. Over a quarter of a million copies. And this book came out in 2017. And there's a chapter on here, just as there was, a discussion at length of Liberty and Tyranny, an entire section on a meritopia called Administrative State Tyranny. doesn't even mention President Trump. It doesn't mention any president. And this is a book that talks about Americanism, the progressive masterminds, and the philosopher kings, liberty and republicanism, liberty and property. But the center chapter is administrative state tyranny. And you're seeing it today. This is over 100 years of effort. If you've read Rediscovering Americanism and the Tyranny of Progressivism. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, the irony is, in Liberty and Tyranny, I said, let's stop using this word, progressivism, let's call it statism. Then everybody said, you're talking about statism, what about progressivism? So I swung swung back and said, all right, let's talk about progressivism, but understand I'm talking about the same damn thing, tyranny. And as I point out, in Rediscovering Americanism, which is my second newest book, obviously on Freedom of the Press is the latest Obviously, I write, as one would expect, there's no seamless symmetry among and between the various American progressives and certain of the principal philosophers who influence them, but there certainly are significant similarities of outlook and attitude toward mankind, economics, law, politics, and government. There is a zealous belief and commitment in re-engineering both man's nature and his social environment toward egalitarian and utopian ends. And there is an affinity for centralized rule, whether of the fascistic or socialistic kind, some hybrid thereof, or some derivative thereof. For these reasons and others, the American progressive philosophers intellectuals, and, and politicians uniformly disparage the principles of the American founding, as you're going to see during these impeachment hearings. The process. I've heard some news people, they want to argue process. Process is everything. But they uniformly disparage the principles of the American founding, the American civil society, and the American constitutional system. Whether idealistic historicism, material historicism, historic dialecticism, material dialecticism, these are all the names they assign to these things that they philosophize about. Synthesizing of opposites, actualizing individualism, conscious individualism, egalitarianism, the social sciences, the behavioral sciences, etc., The individual is swept up into and ultimately disfigured by a whirlwind of ideological concepts and impossibilities. As the oppressiveness and impracticability of progressivism spreads, the more hardline and belligerent become its proponents and enforcers. Ultimately, it leads to the unraveling of the civil society. Is that not what you're seeing? Later I write, of course, the progressives are well aware that the declaration and its governing expression, the Constitution, are enormous impediments to their purposes. It is much as the form of government that best reflects the values of the civil society and secures its existence as a cons- is constitutional republicanism. Thus, as now is obvious, various doctrines of administrative centralism, administrative state centralism have been developed and increasingly accepted were the equivalent of Plato's Guardians, whom I discussed at length in Ameritopia. That is, a select few of highly educated and specially trained governing elite oversee the operation of society. Progressives insist this is the normal evolution of government from a pioneering revolutionary period to an increasingly complex and modern society. But despite the extensive writings about the supposed professional governing class with specialized expertise that will presumably bring not just order to chaos, but utopian-like perfection to humanity, it is fair to ask, who are these guardians? What makes them experts? Are they experts by specific technical training or as generalists? Are they experts by graduating from Ivy League schools? Are they experts by experience, knowledge, or judgment? Are they experts by training in the social and behavioral sciences or the physical sciences? Are they experts because they are more humane and compassionate than the citizenry over whom they seek to rule? By what measures or standards are they experts? And who determines that these guardians are experts? Indeed, what makes them more expert and all that may or may not entail than those who operate in the private sector? Are the people who operate in the private sector not the true experts by experience, training, and knowledge? Moreover, how are their supposed areas of expertise matched with their assignments of particular governmental departments and jobs, to ensure the most efficient and effective performance. Our job placements, based solely on expertise or other factors, including office politics. In fact, is not the purpose of the civil service and public sector unionization and intervening policies such as seniority, affirmative action, tenure, etc., clearly unrelated to, or at least potentially contradictory, of a purely merit and expertise-based administrative system? With experts? Later I write, The theology of the administrative science and historicism after more than a century progressive centralized government in America has demonstrated in infinite ways that it is not a science at all. That they're not experts. The mass of present-day administrative state is inflicted with extensive imperfections and dislocations. Its widespread shortcomings and deficiencies include enormous levels of waste, fraud, and abuse, extensive managerial incompetence and delinquencies, overlapping programs and red tape, and failed promises and objectives, all of which are documented in countless investigations, audits, reports, and one of my books, Plunder and Deceit. There's simply no validation of a vast, complex, modern society, humanely and effectively managed, By a centralized leviathan reporting to a single chief executive, the president. And I go on. Let's see here. The administrative state continues to issue rules and regulations by the tens of thousands. So many, in fact, that even the most engaged citizen cannot possibly know what they say or mean. Nonetheless, he's compelled to comply under penalty of law. Paradoxically progressives insulate themselves from effective reform or even criticism despite their endless writings about social experimentation and learned ex- expertise their pursuit is undeniably ideological remember progressives refute natural law that is the principle of eternal transcendent moral law truth and knowledge for they cannot control it it is dismissed as either a passing historical footnote or an obstacle to social progress or it is ridiculed as gibberish. They revile the Constitution's limits on unified, centralized power and its separations, a separation of powers formula. Now, you with me, Mr. Producer? We okay here? Probably losing half the audience. I'm almost done. Stick with me. Since the principles undergirding America's founding are beyond mortal law. They are beyond the reach of the progressives and the administrative state. So the war on the founding values, beliefs, and traditions was and is intended to, among other things, stop legitimate inquiry into the teaching of first principles or purposes. They're to be made intellectually and culturally off limits. Hey, climate change, and don't you dare be a denier. Consequently, what is left is only one acceptable and overarching agenda. The progressive agenda. The only relevant political and historical discussion is about progressive ideas, and more specifically about their promotion, secularism, value relativism, social experimentation, unified political power, but never about slowing the pace or altering the main thrust and trajectory of progressivism. And you see this in the media. The media. There can be no serious consideration of constitutional limits on the administrative state. No serious debate about governmental spending and debt. No serious argument about the so-called science of climate change. No serious discussion of effective reforms for governmental entitlements and programs such as Social Security, Medicare, or Obamacare. No serious thought of eliminating governmental departments and agencies. Ignorance is knowledge. And centralized power is progress. In truth, it is progressivism that is stuck in history and intellectually exhausted. The progressive's deliberate effort to denude the individual of his free will and uniqueness, to organize mankind by a growing and ubiquitous centralized authority and collective command into a conforming uniform mass, and to reject right reason and sober circumspection about true reform of the progressive project despite its manifest failures and dangerous boundlessness, presents all the markings of a nihilistic, autocratic mentality. Unsurprising considering its ideological roots, but the disastrous consequences for the individual cannot be overstated. You're seeing nihilistic autocracy in the House Intelligence Committee and among the Democrats. You're seeing it within the media. You're certainly seeing it in the so-called administrative state which is out to destroy this president. Whether the upper levels of the FBI, the upper levels of the CIA, the upper levels of the National Security Council, the Democrat Party, the House Democrats, the media, these areas of civil life have been devoured and conquered by the progressives, a.k.a. the status, a.k.a. the tyrants, who dress themselves up as freedom fighters. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. been reported that americans are overpaying on car insurance by over 21 billion dollars but searching for a better deal can take hours and typically results in a barrage of unwanted spam calls until now thanks to the zebra.com free you can save up to six hundred and seventy dollars a year using the zebra.com whatever your economic situation the zebra is committed to helping you save how much can you save on car and home insurance go today and start saving at the zebra.com slash levin that's the slash levin spelled t-h-e-z-e-b-r-a.com slash l-e-v-i-n So, Nancy Pelosi, Adam Schiff, and their fascistic ideology will be on full display this week as they wish they could replace a duly elected president of the United States, and they've been working on this since the day he was elected. They've been conspiring with their media friends, they've been conspiring with bureaucrats in the Administrative state, and they've been conspiring with Obama holdovers in the administration and around the Oval Office. We've seen this. The country's been put through this. With a criminal investigation that went nowhere. With a House Judiciary Committee investigation that went nowhere. And this investigation that will go nowhere. But the media are all excited. They think they're going to get their ratings pumped up. People with websites are hoping their hits will get pumped up. And you'll be able to tell the, the true patriots from the mobsters and the cowards, whether they're in the media, whether they're on TV, whether they have websites, and on and on and on. You'll be able to see the sellouts who put themselves, their websites, their newspapers, their jobs, ahead of the country. Ahead of the country. But you won't see any of that. On Levin TV. Because on Levin TV. We're going to defend the constitution. We're going to defend the president. Who is defending the constitution. And we're going to fight these forces. That I've just spent. Two hours talking about. We'll cover real news. News that really matters. I'll break it down for you. I'll provide context, history, philosophy, and a lot more. But you'll know we're pro-American. We don't hate our country. We love our country. Which is why we celebrate veterans every day. And why the media pretends to support the veterans with a quick hit on Veterans Day. But we don't have sponsors. We don't have commercials. We don't have Facebook and Twitter telling us we can't name the name of the whistleblower. What the hell is his name again, Eric? What is it, Mr. Perdue? I can't remember it. Shh. Cheramella, Eric Cheramella, Eric Cheramella, Eric Cheramella, Eric Cheramella, Eric ooh! No, and we mentioned Eric Cheramella on this show, on Levin TV. We're completely beholden to you, not to people looking over our shoulders. I really want you to give this a try, particularly during this impeachment process and the election. You can go to LevinTV.com, L-E-V-I-N-TV.com, sign up and enter code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N. You'll get 10 bucks off your annual subscription. And we haven't even raised the price since we've become a network. Not in four years. That's LevinTV.com, promo code LEVIN, 10 bucks off. Or give us a call, 1-844-LEVIN-TV, 1-844-L-E-V-I-N-TV. We hope you'll subscribe or give it as a gift if you're already subscribing. Eric Charamella, right, Mr. Producer? I want to encourage all of you, millions and millions of you, on AM radio, on FM radio, on satellite radio, on the podcast, streamlining, listening to Mark Levin's show app, iHeartRadio app, a hundred ways to listen to this show. I want you to go on Facebook and Twitter right now. And right in the subject, Eric Charamella. Eric Charamella, Eric Charamella. And if Facebook and the Twits and Twitter and all the rest of them want to take it down, screw them. Let's overwhelm them. I said, Eric Charamella, Eric Charamella, Eric Charamella. Post it. Post it everywhere. I'll be right back.
2: From the Westwood One Podcast Network.
1: He's here. He's here. Broadcasting broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin.
0: Hello everybody, Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Now, Time for our fascistic media. We have CNN up front and center. Ron Johnson, who was on my Fox show a few weeks ago, very nice man, gentleman, chairman of the Senate Homeland Security and Government Oversight Committee, very, very knowledgeable about what's been going on with Russia, Ukraine, among other things. And so he's invited on this show, the Sunday show CNN by Jake Tapper. And I would strongly discourage conservatives and serious Republicans from going on these shows. They don't have an audience. All you do is create fodder for their pathetic left-wing kook websites and all the children that play over there. I'm just being honest with you. And here's a perfect example. Jake Tapper just kept inter- interrupting the guy. Hat tip daily caller, cut seven, go.
2: I've never heard the president say, you know, I want, I want to dig up dirt on a potential... 2020 opponent. What I've always heard the president consistently concerned about is what happened in 2016.
0: Now, why why is he an expert on this? Because he was in a meeting with the president in May that they keep talking about him, Mulvaney, Secretary of Energy, among others, I guess. And the president never brought up any kind of quid pro quo, quote unquote, or now they're calling it extortion. You'll see that in a minute because they want that. See, the Democrat base is so stupid. It's so stupid. That they can use words and all that to influence them, and so they do, and the media help them. Stupid people watch CNN. Stupid people watch MSNBC. Stupid people watch Tuck Todd, and the rest of them—they just do. Go ahead.
2: You know, how did this false narrative of Russian collusion with my campaign occur? Why was I strapped with a special counsel? Right, and there are two I'm investigations so about that, right? There get are, to are the two investigations of what happened there. It's a, it's a very human desire, Jake. You know, Jake, you are interrupting me, but but go ahead, and interrupt me again. Well, I just want to say, in terms of the invest, in terms of the investigations into the origins, in May, the Attorney General appointed a, a former U.S. Attorney, John Durham, who's very respected, to investigate the origins. Of the Russia investigation, there's also the inspector general for the Justice Department investigating whether or not the FBI... Okay, and there
0: not- was an investigation by uh, Robert Mueller that found nothing against the president. and But they still keep attacking the president. Go ahead.
2: there any other abuses. There are investigations into that already by the United right, States and, law enforcement and by the community. Way, and, and by the way, I continue with my oversight with Senator Chuck Grassley. Mm-hmm.
0: So you learn nothing from these shows. Then we have Chuck Todd. Jim Himes is like the number two Democrat on the House Not Intelligence Committee. I think we'll call it the House Unintelligence Committee. He's a Democrat hack out of the nutmeg state, Connecticut, and they're all Democrat hacks out of there. But Hines is a uh, a, a particular reprobate and propagandist. So of course Chuck Todd has him on. Chuck Todd will not come on any of my shows. You know, uh, three years ago... Do we have that audio, by the way? Let's, Let's dig it up so we can play that for the world later. Three years ago, Mark Levin, you know, he was invited on the show, but at the last minute, he bolted. First, I don't know about the last minute, but if I didn't go on Meet the Press with Chuck Todd, it's because I either was sick or I needed to take care of a family member. Trust me, Chuck, I'm not running from you. Trust me, you're a joke. Anyway, go ahead.
2: Are you at all concerned that um, your colleagues on the other side of the aisle um, may, may turn the process and, and make it such a hard process to follow for the public, perhaps some might call it a sabotaging of the process, um, where it makes it more difficult for you to air, your, uh, air this public
0: testimony? I, I don't even need to hear the Democrats' response because I heard the Democrats' question. Hey, uh, let me try my incoherent broken English. Are you at all concerned that your colleagues on the other side, I think we call them Republicans, you, anyway, may turn the process and make it a hard process to follow for the public. Yeah, the public's stupid, unlike, of course, the people who work at Meet the Depressed. All brilliant, as I understand it. Perhaps I might call it a sabotaging of the process. You see, folks, the Republicans may try to sabotage the Democrats. You can't do that. Maybe they'll argue about process and witnesses and cross-examination and the President's Council being president and, and the right to choose witnesses. We can't have that. That's process. We're busy trying to remove a duly elected president, and all they want to do is sabotage us from removing a duly elected president. Yes. Meanwhile, Chuck, I've invited you on this program repeatedly. And he won't come on, and he was asked by two of my friends from WABC, Bernie and Sid, and they have a great show. I love the Bernie and Sid show on WABC. Bernie's an old buddy of mine, and Sid's a new buddy of mine, but they are hilarious. And uh, Schmuck Todd and Chuck Todd will go on their show, but he won't come on my show. And I believe it was Sid, wasn't it, Rich, who asked him about that. Go ahead. One of the guys on this station, you've heard of him, I think you've heard of him, his name
2: is Mark Levin. So Levin uh, gets crazy that you come on with Bernie and I, and I don't think he knows our relationship, you and I going back a very, very long time.
0: They go way back into the uh, New York hitherlands, where I believe their families used to vacation together, Mr. Producer. Where in the winter it's cold beyond belief, and in the summer the mosquitoes are four inches long. They call that a vacation. I don't know what the hell that is. I run from that. But anyway, Go ahead.
2: But he's dying to get you on the show. Every time you come on with us, huh? why won't Chuck Todd
0: come Said, on with, with all with all honesty, I can't listen to your show because of the time it's on. And it's not on my radio. I'd have to actually work and get online to do it. That's not why I asked Chuck to come on, because he's on the Bernie and Sid show, which I think he should be. It's because Chuck is a fraud. And I want Chuck to come on my show and answer some questions. But he won't. Go ahead.
2: So Mark Levin actually offered you an invitation mm-hmm. to go on his show. Would you even consider I, it? Here's the thing: I invited him on Meet the Press three years ago, and he canceled on me at the last minute. That's oh. the last time I've interacted with
1: him. All right, that sounds like That's a, a throwdown right there. <laughs> <laughs> the answer, saying, the answer is no. I'm not
2: saying anything. I just said that it. I, I don't know if he remembers history here, but and then he, you know, I, look, I think he just decided he didn't want to go on. That's fine. It's a free country, but. I just, if you want to know the full story, there's the full story. That's right. a firm note. There we
0: go. How is that a full story, Mr. Baju? A full story of what? It's irrelevant. That's the flashing object, Chuck. I'll make it easy. I won't attack you, but I will dispute you. And I want to discuss a number of things impeachment, Ukraine, Russia, and climate change. Just four topics impeachment, Ukraine, Russia, climate change. I don't want to discuss your haircut. I'm not going to get into any of that stuff. Nothing personal. But I will get into those things. What do you say? Come on my radio show. We won't have other guests. It'll be fun. You'll show everybody how brilliant you are. Seriously. I'm sure you're brilliant. I don't know why not. You know, I want to also reiterate. Every single Democrat running for the Democrat nomination for President of the United States is invited on my radio show, and or my Fox show, and or my Levin TV show. We'd love to have you. I'd love to have you. Lizzie, Kamala, the Red, Buttigieg, everybody. We'll discuss economics, we'll discuss immigration, we'll discuss the Constitution, we'll discuss impeachment. Sure. We'll have a grand old time. We'll discuss Medicare for all or Medicare for some. Why not? We'll discuss a top, and you too, Castro. What's it? Julian Castro. Love to have you. Bring your twin brother along if you like. Sure. We'll discuss a 70 to 90% top rate for billionaires. I'm happy to do it. Whether there should be billionaires, let's have it. A wealth tax. Love to discuss a wealth tax. How about those pronouns? I'm not him, I'm not her, I'm it, I'm X, I'm A. Let's do it. In other words, the culture. Let's have a discussion about the culture. I think it would be wonderful. Be very edifying. Rather than you're relying on these little clips from these Mickey Mouse operations set up by Dan Abrams, the legal analyst from ABC News and his little phony empire that he's got going for him. All the little links now that you have on my buddy... uh, Matt Drudge's website, Attacking the President of the United States, daily, 24-7, relentlessly. Little clips here and there. No, no, no. Come on the program. Let's have a discussion. Why not? I believe in equal time. It's very liberal of me. I'll be right back. Mark lovin'. Somebody ought to do a show. You know, maybe it's over the course of a week. Five hours, eight hours, whatever it is. On each one of these so-called journalists and how they have transitioned or have evolved. You know, Jake Tapper used to have me on a show. I think it was on there once or twice, Mr. Producer. You remember that some time ago? And then Trump gets elected and he loses his mind. Loses his mind. Jake Tapper used to be a relatively good journalist. Now he's just part of the of the pack on the hard left, taking orders from Jeff Motherzucker. And these so-called journalists need to understand Jeff Motherzucker has never been a journalist. He's an entertainer. And by the way, he's not exactly the greatest-looking dude, is he, Mr. Producer? I don't say that to attack him personally. But man, oh man, was he hit by a bus. Anyway, uh... Then you could take the morning schmo and Mrs. Schmo. For the longest time, the Sacco and Vansetti of media, they would travel around like vagabonds. And Hey, we're going to revamp our radio show and we'll be right back. They revamped it and never came back. In other words, they were fired. Radio audience is too smart for Sacco and Vansetti of MSLSD. And really, uh, the morning schmo doesn't have to do too much thinking or studying or work. It's just every day. Yeah, that's right. He's like a neo Nazi, right, Mike? Oh, yes, yes, that's true. Right, uh, right, right, uh, Mike? Yes, yes. Mike, write your own columns. Uh, and then they have this guy, Geist. Geist. I think his father does that Sunday show on CBS. Not too bad, by the way. The kid. Obviously fell on his head. Got a whole uh, bunch of circle morons there at the Joe and Mika show, Sacco and Vansetti. And how they transitioned from being Trump supporters to Trump haters. From brown nosers to reds. Every day, same thing. I think they have very, very high ratings in mental institutions. That is my guess. I don't know. Who knows? And as I've said repeatedly, their ratings are very, very high among the North Korean generals, I understand. And good job, CNN, for getting the monopoly on airports. Because uh, you can't turn... Oh, there's CNN. I always tell them, fine, but at least turn the volume down, will ya? This camera Amarada, or whatever the hell hell name Allison Alison Camarada. Oh, there's another one. Do a special on her. Used to be a mouthpiece at Fox. Now she's a mouthpiece at CNN. In other words, just pay her. And she'll throw her professional journalistic credentials out the window. And she has. And that idiot she's with. What is his name? John, what is his name? I can't even remember. John Berman. Dumb as a doorknob, this guy. But he's a good parrot. He knows how to repeat stuff. Who else? Donnie Lemon. Keep Donnie Lemon out of the bars from what I hear. Oh, wild man. Wild man. Oh, yeah. Wild man. Lawsuit's been filed against him. No coverage in the media about that, though. Can you imagine how it would be if a lawsuit was filed against anyone at Fox, Mr. Medusa? Particularly the primetime lineup. But here we... Donnie Lemon. Then we have Fredo Cuomo. Fredo Cuomo I'm not sure if he is the dumbest Cuomo this uh, this governor of New York he's one dumb dude but he's a Democrat hey Democrat vote Democrat Democrat anyway you've got him too I better be careful Kilmeade's gonna get nervous coming on this show don't you think Mr. Producer I may chase him off by accident I may chase him off by accident that's not my goal of course and we can go to, there's Chris Matthews, Motormouth. Chris Matthews should be one of these guys, you know, these auctioneers. That's how fast he talks. 560, 730, liberal, Trump. That's Chris Matthews. Then Rachel Maddow. Conspiracy nut. Conspiracy nut over there at MSLSD. Gets the highest ratings, because there's a lot of conspiracy nuts on the left. A lot of them. Highest ratings on MSLSD. But Hannity whips her ass most of the time, quite frankly, in the ratings. Maybe once he or twice when he does it. It's all over the website. Oh, look at that! Oh my God, she won! But in the end, she's a loser. And yet they use her to ask questions during Democrat debates. Why don't they ask me to ask questions during Republican debates? Well, it'd be kind of pointless now. But like this guy Walsh, Joe Walsh. It's a sleazeball. It's a foul-mouthed punk. And yet the left keeps bringing him on. Look at this. We have an opponent. Well, we need a... This guy Walsh supported Trump, now hates Trump, is a real piece of you-know-what, piece of shingle. But he gets attention in lib media that's the way to do it loser on radio couldn't get ratings couldn't get a damn thing couldn't sell a book said, okay I'm flipping left that's where the action is like this guy Max Boot this guy Max Boot always staring at his navel even when he's on TV Trump sucks by the way what happened to Bill Kristol anybody see Bill Crystal anymore of course not You know, these people have kept their independence, Mark, unlike you. These people are really defending conservatism, or at least they're defending the integrity of our country and the integrity of the media, unlike you, Mark. Uh, No, they're not defending anything but their own simple-ass personal interests. They're connivers. They're positioning themselves. They're trying to create a narrative that promotes themselves. That's what they're doing. If you can't see what's going on in the House of Representatives today... If you can't see what's been taking place the last three years with the phony Russia collusion, the Mueller investigation, the Nadler investigation, the Schiff investigation, then you are uh, utterly worthless. Did I say worthless? I meant worthless. You know, that Mark Levin today, he's used the word fascist, fascistic, worthless status, progressive, I don't know what's gotten into this guy. What do you mean what's gotten into this guy? I'm just telling you what's coming. By the way, we've been monitoring this Media Matters. You know what that means, monitoring them? Every now and then, somebody sends us an email. It's incredible. Media Matters puts out something, and then the Huffington Compost, the Hollywood Reporter, Yahoo, there was one other. They regurgitate it. They just repeat it. This Media Matters really does the research for these other entities. It's incredible. And now it's even seeped into some of our formerly conservative websites that repeat basically what Media Matters says. It's true. All right, scheduled to be on the program, the great Brian Kilmeade. And by the way, that's Killme with a E E on the end of the name. Kilmeade. I'll be right back.
2: Mark Levin Show live and national at eight seven
0: seven three eight one three eight one one. You know, one of the best guys out there is Brian Kilmeade. Even though he spells his name with an E on the end, how come there's an E on the end of your name, Brian Kilmeade?
2: Uh, I guess it's Irish.
0: It's silent, though.
2: I, you know what? I got to really look into that. Uh, that's I,
0: I wish you point. would. Well, so
2: Brian, you mispronounce it and think I'm Italian and say Kilmeade.
0: No, nobody does. Anyway, Brian, it's a pleasure to uh, talk to you again. It's always a great thing to see you in person. By the way, I'm looking at your book signings. You don't have anything in my area. What's that well, all about?
2: Don't I have McLean? But I have book review, which is like your home away from home, and that's tomorrow. Tomorrow night. That's what made me think of you.
0: Well, think of me now. Where the hell are you? Where's McLean? I don't even see it on your list. You really
2: don't see it on my list? I thought it was there. I think we had two stops in Virginia going back there. Well, well, if, it's, if it's
0: close to where I am and I'm around, I'll come we have a good time together?
2: I mean, yeah. I mean, we have a great time. And then you entertain my entire family. But I, I kind of felt bad because it felt like you were doing your talk show again.
0: Well, anything for a free meal. Now, Brian me, this is a damn good book. And I'll tell you, I've been a fan of Sam Houston's Imperfections and All. And The Alamo. And you've written a fantastic book about The Alamo. In fact, my wife and I were in... Uh, And uh, let's see, my mother-in-law were in San Antonio just a couple weeks ago, visiting Pastor John Hagee, you know? Sure. And there's the Alamo. Now tell everybody who fought and died at the Alamo that they would know.
2: Well, first, some good news. I uh, I have a special on the channel. Uh, It's at 10 o'clock. You're at 8 o'clock. It's going to be Sam Houston and the Texas fight for freedom, at which time George P. Bush, the land commissioner, maybe a future presidential candidate, is reclaiming the, leading the charge to reclaim the footprint of the Alamo. You know, right now there's a Ripley's, believe it or not, and a Marriott. Uh, people are realizing the history, and they are got to try to recreate it. When you see the Alamo, you're only seeing the church uh, and the long barracks. It's just a small portion of what it was, yeah. but you can see remnants of the wall. And what I think people should understand is, I'm a New Yorker, and I said to myself for the longest time, that's Texas history. I know they got pride. They take it in 4th, 7th, and 11th grade. But I didn't realize this is American story. I mean, it should have came in the Louisiana Purchase. There's no Mexico's claim to it was really Spain's claim to it, and they could never populate it. We put more people there in ten years than they put in three hundred years, and we we were willing to stay a state of Mexico. But they threw out their constitution. Santa Ana, and you'll love this word, said, "My people are not ready for liberty," and they that was fighting words to the Texans. No due process, no liberty, no freedom. You'll pay big taxes, but get no benefits. That doesn't fly with Texas today, and it certainly didn't fly with Sam Houston, Jim Bowie, William Barrett Travis, and Davy Crockett. Those are just the headliners. A lot of other great Americans reported the fight for freedom. So, who
0: died at the Alamo?
2: After our first fight for freedom.
0: Who died there who everybody would know? Right? People that we know died at the Alamo during the Battle of the Alamo, right?
2: Uh, One hundred and eighty people, uh, mostly Americans, died. But here's the thing. in life, you don't always win. Mm-hmm. and it's the way they fought is the reason why they live on an infamy, which you don't know until you drill down on it. We killed some of the elite Mexican fighters and over a thousand dead in front of they had up to 3,000. We had everyone killed, bodies burned, but before that they lasted 13 days. What did it allow? Sam Houston? to put together an army, retreat, get to a situation where he knew his first battle would be his last and he had to find a way to win it. No one was listening to him. He told Jim Bowie, you go in there and get everybody out. We can't hold the place. Bowie gets in, feels the camaraderie and says, let's stay. Bad move. Goliath. Mm-hmm. We got we to gotta, uh, tell Jim Fannin, the West Point dropout, to get everybody out. He hesitates, caught in the middle of the field, cuts a bad deal, 400 people killed in cold blood. But they don't back off. The Texans double down. And Sam Houston, and you mentioned he's a redeemed character, had to back up, retreat, had the famous runaway scrape, burn everything as you go, suck the Mexican troops in, and then prepare for one battle. I literally found the way tree, which Sam Houston stood in front of. It still exists. And one branch went east. The other branch turns west. West is you fight. East is you go back to America and regroup. He goes and decides to fight, and I'm not going to give it all away, but just know Mm -hmm. he wins in 18 minutes, and for two hours they just went for the complete annihilation, and then they capture Santa Ana, and then they go and have him sign off on Texas. I mean, this is the miraculous story of our past that people don't seem to care about anymore. I know, it's terrible. One person at a time try to convince him.
0: But you made a passing point that's very important. Jefferson thought Texas was in on the Louisiana purchase, right?
2: So did Jackson. They were convinced of it. They couldn't believe John Quincy Adams, the Secretary of State, worked out a swap for Florida and Texas. So Jackson said, are you kidding me? I already won Florida. We're not mm-hmm. getting anything for that. The Spanish couldn't hold it anyway. The Spanish would quickly lose Texas after that. So this is something I want to push back on because I know when I go on tour and people start asking me questions, they're going to be like, well, you sold Texas. We didn't steal Texas. They couldn't, t- they couldn't touch it. Uh, the, the Apaches and Comanches dominated it. Te- Mexico couldn't populate it. And basically, Sam Houston lived with Cherokee Indians, had respect from the Indian community. He was able to walk over to him and say, listen, let's live together. I'm not going to fight you. You don't fight me. But the Mexicans were scared to death of him. And they were able to have a one-on-one fight. And in the end, it was uh, the Mexican soldiers who oddly decide to rest when, when Houston decides not to fight in the morning because the night vision glasses didn't come in from UPS. So at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, he goes, uh, today's the day. Let's go. With the slight incline and the high grass, the Mexicans didn't even know we were approaching until it was too late. Sam Houston, leading the charge at six foot four, gets shot again. He was able to finish off the battle, but he almost bleed out. The next day they capture Santa Ana, they bring him to him. And composure under pressure, he flat out says, uh, don't kill him. We're going to work out a deal. They bring his aide to camp together, and they sign up on Texas to call off the reinforcements. And that's the Texas fight for freedom. you got to know when to fight, run away. you also got to know when to cut a deal. And all of that embodied in a guy that at one point drank too much, was not a good farmer, not a good clerk, as a governor of Tennessee involved in a minor scandal, had to resign. Uh, and he redeemed himself, stopped drinking, uh, he converted to Catholicism, had nine kids, and was the one telling Texans, don't join the Confederacy. And when they wouldn't listen to him, he resigned. And I think that just shows a remarkable progress. And I think our listeners, when I get on or the viewers get on, they see these perfect people with their heads carved into mountains. And they say, I can never live up to that. Sam Houston was a great man, but he wasn't a perfect man. And that's what I want people to understand.
0: And Sam Houston, people should know that Texas was a republic. Sam Houston was elected president. More than once, not consecutively, but more than once, as you point out in your book. And who was his favorite president? Andrew Jackson. Sam Houston
2: loved Andrew Jackson. And I I took a page from the Rocky genre. I open up with my last episode to flashback. And it's it's Sam Houston, the officer, fighting fearlessly for this guy named Andrew Jackson at the Battle of Horseshoe Bend. And he gets shot three times. After getting shot twice. He's in sick bay, and Jackson wants a complete victory. So he said, Who here can fight? We've got to finish these guys off before the sun goes down. And Houston stood up again. And he gets shot in the shoulder, and he gets shot, and that's, that shoulder would never heal, and in the arm. So he said, We're going to operate on this guy, but uh, why torture him? He's not going to last the night. He lasted the night. He said it was the worst night of his life. And from then on in, Jackson would mentor him. Think about this, uh, Mark. I think you and Hannity and O'Reilly getting together is an elite uh, uh, group. What about James K. Polk, President Buchanan, Martin Van Buren, Andrew Jackson, and Sam Houston sitting on the Hermitage porch? They would meet all the time and talk about where this country's heading. Is that right? I, didn't, I didn't know that until I saw that. Power. And uh, that's part of the, that enclave. You know, so one leads to the other to the other.
0: You know, uh, Brian, I'm a big fan of James Polk. Do you find that surprising?
2: Well, I mean, he went from sea to shining sea. He took four years. They said that they hired me and elected me uh, for Manifest Destiny. I'll do it. Mm-hmm. And then I'm out of here. I don't find that surprising. You, you, you do what you're told uh, and execute. And so did he.
0: And he died rather quickly of dysentery. But he was, he, you know, people look at guys like Polk, Little Fellow, and so forth, and they, oh, Manifest Destiny, look what we did. I mean, they look at Jefferson. They look at these. We wouldn't have the United States but for these men, would we? Of course.
2: I, and, and that's why in the beginning I wrote these books and I thought, wouldn't it be great to sell it to you? But now I write these books because I really feel like I'm on a mission to tell Americans how special this country is, what it took to win it, what it took to hold it, and what it took to grow it. How dare we look back at these people and judge them by the standards of paved roads and airplanes? These people didn't even know what they were buying. They were moving west. This place was empty. They moved back. The Europeans moved in, people came from all around, and they just wanted an opportunity. They didn't want $1,000, didn't want baby bucks. Uh, they didn't want free Social Security. They weren't blaming rich people. They just got an axe, a gun, and a rake, and earned a living. And that's the attitude we got to get back to. They weren't perfect. I have news for you. We're not perfect. This generation's not perfect. We live with what we have. 2008, famously, Barack Obama said, the marriage is between a man and a woman. Now, if he said that, he'd be looked at as a horrible person. How could he even run for office? Was he a terrible person in 08 no and a genius now? You're a vict- You're somebody in your times.
0: By the way, the, uh, you do have a book signing at Tyson's Corner, Barnes & Noble. I'm just telling the uh, Levinites out there. It's December 8th, Sunday at noon. If I'm around, I'm going to come by.
2: Well, I'll provide transportation.
0: And that's okay. I drive my own car. I'll just get a piece of cake and come by and say hello.
2: Well, I don't forget book review tomorrow and then over to Philadelphia on uh, Wednesday.
0: Where um, in I Philly? I will
2: run for office while I'm doing it.
0: Yeah. What, what bookstore in Philly?
2: Actually, I'm at an event uh, in, uh, uh, in Philadelphia, so I'm going to be interviewed by a local uh, TV station there. People are going to come in, buy a book, and there's still some seats available. And then out to Nebraska, Omaha, Lincoln, uh, and then over to San Antonio.
0: The book is Sam Houston and the Alamo Avengers, the Texas victory that changed American history. It's linked on Mark Levin Show Facebook, Mark Levin Show Twitter. It's on Amazon.com. You know, you have a way of writing books that are very compelling. You're a storyteller, aren't you?
2: I do. It. I, you know, listen, I, I cannot write for Harvard professors. I'm not smart enough. But I, I love talking about this. And every time I have trouble, I know you, you write on your kitchen table, sometimes in longhand, every word. What I do is I work with my editor. When I'm stuffed, I talk it out. And I actually record it. And I try to tell it like I speak. And if you don't like me on television or radio, please don't buy the book. Because that's exactly what I try to do with the book. And I don't give maybe as much detail, because I'm in my mind, people are doing a million things. i got to get to the story quick, make sure it's accurate. All the historians that help me out, I mail the book back to them when it's in draft. And I say, do you have a problems with any of the facts? And I get it back, I make some minor adjustments, and I move. Because the worst thing I'd like to do as a, as, is mislead anybody's legacy. These families are so proud. And they still exist, and they come up to you and they say, I had three people come up to me and say they were related to Sam Houston, eighth generation, they got the papers with them, William Barrett Travis. And I realize how, how important these legacies are. We can't screw it up. So I, I, my hope is I didn't screw anything up.
0: Well, if you did, people would have pointed it out by now because, you know, they're all out to get us. I'm not paranoid. It's just a well, fact.
2: I love your show. Congratulations on, on, oh. the, on the show, man. And I, I just It's so great that you're part of the family. I mean, it's just uh, having you on the, uh, on the starting lineup is just fantastic because we've got to be armed for combat these days, literally, in every way. So just knowing you're there is fantastic.
0: Well, listen, you're very kind. I want people to know in person you really are a good guy, too. And your family's lovely. Your wife's beautiful. I don't know how that happened with you. But anyway, uh, uh, I'm going to try I, and make this December 8th, as I say, if, if I'm around. And I might be. So uh, I, I, unless you don't want me. I mean, I don't want to screw the thing up. You know? uh, Believe me,
2: if I say Mark Levin's going to be there, i to be signing for two days. That'll be great. And we'll whip, uh, rip out your, uh, whip out your book as well.
0: It's all right. We've, we don't, don't they, get a
2: complimentary glass of wine after.
0: I drink ginger ale, but that's okay. You can have my wine. Listen, right. Brian Kilmey, this is a great book. All your books are great, but I really enjoyed this. The Alamo has been something I've really been interested in much of my life. And you provide you provide enormous information, detail that I certainly didn't know anything about. And I want to thank you very, very much for coming on, folks. I want to strongly encourage you to get this book. You're going to find it fantastic. Sam Houston in the Alamo Avengers, the Texas victory that changed American history. Brian kilmey Y'all love Brian kilmey By the way, what do you think of Chuck Todd? Uh, forget it. I'll ask you another time.
2: I think he's terrible. I think he's absolutely incensed by the existence of Donald Trump as president. He's, made, he's embarrassing the legacy of Tim Russert. And uh, I find the show virtually unwatchable.
0: Well said. And he won't come on my show. I just want to have a discussion with the man. It's really appalling. All right, brother. Brian Kilman. It's linked everywhere, folks. Please get your copy. Perfect gift also for Thanksgiving. God bless you, brother. There he goes. It's a good man. All right, Mr. Producer. I've got to find it. My printer doesn't work, ladies and gentlemen. I've bought like three of them now. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not proficient in these things. It's really quite appalling. All right, Mr. Producer is very angry with me right now. Why don't we take a break, and we'll hit this when we return. I'll be right back.
1: Mark Lovin.
0: By the way, I just wanted to mention quickly two of the finest litigators I know, I've really come to know and like, John Wilburn and Brooke Spears. Two great guys at McGuire Woods, which is a great law firm. I believe it's the biggest firm in Virginia, a few other states too. But these are really hard-working, great guys, Wilburn and Spears. They could even start a law firm. Wilburn and Spears, and Goldberg and Mohammed. There, there you go. Very diverse law firm. Anyway, I want to salute those two guys. Just uh, and very, very nice people too. Very, very nice people, too. Okay, Mr. Producer, I'm working on it. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, in a world that has lost its way, lost respect for logic, law, and American history, who's defending you in Washington? Who speaks for conservatives? AMAC, the Association of Mature American Conservatives, that's who. AMAC gives its members valuable everyday benefits while boldly defending America's priceless constitution, sacred history individual liberties, and basic moral compass. AMAC fights for border and national security, freedom of speech and religion, and values articulated by Reagan and Trump, like strong defense, limited government, lower taxes, and so forth. Hard to believe we're here, but we are, and AMAC is dedicated to remembering past sacrifices and preserving America's core values for the future. They oppose the rise of socialism and the phony Medicare-for-all push. And if you're not an AMAC member, you should be. They have tremendous discounts and benefits. The next election will decide our nation's future, and we will either be true to America's, uh, you know, noble past, or we're going to be in the crapper. Please step up and sign up today, amac.us, dot US. Great benefits and great discounts. Thanksgiving is a couple weeks away, ladies and gentlemen. Still, enough time to get rid of turkey neck and sagging jawline and get compliments around the dinner table. If you haven't tried Genicel's breakthrough jawline treatment with MDL technology, then pick up the phone and go to, or pick up, go to the internet and go to genicel.com right now. That's genicel.com. Or you can pick up the phone and call 800 skin 604 800 skin 604. Order today. Chaminade will include their classic Genesel eye bags and puffiness absolutely free. And you'll also receive their immediate effects results you can see in 12 hours. And for Thanksgiving, Genesel's offer gets better. You'll also get their top-selling Genesel eye lift for sagging, droopy eyelids absolutely free. And you'll give, give a thanks this holiday for 10 years of your appearance being dropped. You'll look 10 years younger. Strongly. Encourage you to get it. And by the way, guaranteed... Or 100% of your money back. That's pretty damn good. 800-SKIN-604, 800-SKIN-604, or Genesel.com. Get it before Thanksgiving, quickly. 800-SKIN-604, or Genocel.com. We salute our armed forces every night. Police officers every night. Firefighters and emergency personnel every night, and all of you who protect us. We're in for the battle this week, ladies and gentlemen. And if I were the Democrats, I'd be scared of this program and you Levinites. And I'll see you tomorrow. God bless.
2: From the Westwood One Podcast Network.